0: You can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. The Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network is brought to you by Onyx Hunt. Bringing you the best GPS mapping software directly to your smartphone or desktop, Onyx offers you the ability to see property boundaries, mark waypoints, track your location, and so much more. Visit OnexMaps.com, or you can download it directly from your app store today. Save 20% off of your purchase by using the code NATION20 at checkout. That's capital N, NATION, followed by the number 20. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Vortex Optics. My name is Dan Johnson. I'm your host. And today on... (laughs) This sucks. Straight up. Like The whole quarantine thing really doesn't affect me. Um, And I love spending time with my kids. Don't get me wrong. But this next three weeks, and I got a gut feeling that they're going to end up canceling school like they're canceling everything else, uh, but for the rest of the year. I think we're supposed to go back to school April 16th or 17th. Uh, projections uh, projections are showing that that's uh, probably not the best idea, and it's going to continue to uh, spread, you know, even though the state of Iowa really hasn't felt the impact of it like uh, other states like New York and California. It's still continuing to spread, and um, what I'm getting at is being home with my kids. I love my kids to death, but my God, do they fight. They are fighting like cats and dogs. My son wakes up in the morning, and he instantly starts copying everything that my daughter says my daughter he walks up the stairs this morning and he goes my daughter goes good morning Mac and my son goes good morning Mac what are you doing what are you doing dad mom Mac's copying me dad mom Mac's copying me and it just goes on all day long To the point where I got so mad today (laughs) and I don't know, you know, I don't know what kind of parent this makes me, but instead of spanking them, because I was, I I mean, I was mad. They were fighting and I warned them. I made them clean the house, still fighting. I made them go sit in their room, still fighting. Finally, I said, I want you to run around the house until you can't physically run around the house anymore. So we went outside. I said, run around the house. And they ran around the house. Go again. Run around the house. And the goal was just to make them tired. And we got them in a car ride. And they, you know, let's go for it. Let's get out of the house. Let's go on a car ride. Of course, they have to sit right next to each other. And the whole car ride. He's touching me. No, she's touching me. He's in my space. No, she's in my space. Holy shit. So, uh, if you... uh, If I all of a sudden stop putting out podcasts, it's because I've decided to leave my family and go live in the mountains for the rest of my life. So there's that. (laughs) But on a serious note, right? On this serious note, we have this coronavirus that is impacting all of our lives in some way, shape, or form. Whether you can work, whether you can't work. But here's the thing, Um, these conservation organizations They are going to be struggling because they rely on a banquet. A lot of these conservation organizations rely on a banquet, whether at a local level or a national level, to raise funds for whatever category i guess they cover for whatever their um, organization supports whether it's uh, sheep or deer or water or air or public land or whatever a lot of these are getting canceled and that has a direct impact on how that organization operates and today i am joined by the ceo of the 2% for conservation, Jared Frazier. And Jared is going to lay out a whole bunch of interesting things, uh, thoughts, ideas, topics um, that kind of revolve around these banquets being canceled and how they impact conservation as a whole. So it's a really good episode, lots of good information. Uh, and, and basically, it's a call to action. You know, what should you do if you were going to go to a a banquet it got canceled. What should you do from here? and uh, Jared kind of walks us through all that. but before we get into the uh, this podcast, I do have to do a commercial and it's for wasp archery. Now you guys know that I am a huge fan of wasp broadheads been shooting these heads for years very uh very reliable, very um, well built, awesome material, right? everything is. Everything is designed to kill whatever you shoot. Right? Uh, the mechanicals are—they kill. The the uh, Boss Four Blade is my favorite. My favorite uh, head, and it slays. And I'm telling you right now, uh, I just love the company because I love the people, I love the message, I love the product. I'm comfortable with it, and so I continue to use it. Right? Um, if you want to find out more information. About Wasp Broadheads. You need to go check out their website, whether you're a fixed blade guy or mechanical guy, wasparchery.com. And if you want to go ahead and purchase, I think you need to purchase, uh, because again, I don't know where people are sitting right now. If they are hoarding your money or if you're still working and you're still making money and it really hasn't affected, affected you too much, remember that a lot of these companies rely on that and that includes the hunting industry, right? At a at a local level like your restaurants, uh, but at the, at a, I guess, I do more of a national level or a industry level like a Broadheads or deer stands or whatever the, the hunting product is, these people rely on that that money as well. And, and I'll tell you right now, they're a little nervous, right? Just like everybody is. So if we can show our support and continue to buy uh, products from the brands that we love, you know, like Wasp, we can continue to support the hunting industry. And uh, hopefully it doesn't get affected as some of the other industries are. And uh, uh, if you want to enter the discount code When you purchase your Wasp Broadhead's Nine Fingers, that's the number nine followed by the word fingers, you're going to receive 20% off your order. So there's that. All right, that was a long introduction, but let's get into today's episode with Jared Frazier of 2% for Conservation. All right, on the phone with me once again from 2% for Conservation, Mr. Jared Frazier. Jared, what's up, man?
1: Oh, you know, everyone's hanging out, living life as normal. I guess, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just a normal week for everybody.
0: Yeah. So let me tell you this. All right. So today is first day of quarantine for our family, and i I use the the term quarantine loosely because Monday and Tuesday of this week we had. It was nice, and we could go outside, and the kids kind of played with the neighbor kids uh, a little bit. So it's not like, I don't know, it's not an official lockdown, quarantine, stay in your house type deal. Um, They've kind of, I don't know, I feel like that's inevitable, especially if I'm trying to work. And I've, I've told them, hey, you need to step back, and you can't be that close to, you know, You're the neighbor. You can't be in his space bubble. So I I have to keep reminding him and all of all this stuff. But today it was a different story. Today was all day rain. And Mm -hmm. today was a very tough day with three kids and two working from home parents um, who, and, you know, kids constantly need attention. And today was a, one of those days where you're just, you're, you don't want to be a dick and yell because all they want is attention, but you're shaking because you're so frustrated.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, similar thing here. Uh, my wife is is back from uh, she she's a baker, so they're shut down uh, under under county mandate uh, for at least a week now. That their place that she works will be doing you know door pickup and delivery and stuff like that. So they should there should be some semblance of of her job continuing, so we're a little fortunate on that front, where I know many, many others are not in that boat um they're they're looking straight up at unemployment yeah um, also similar to you, I work from home uh with two percent we try to keep our overhead crazy low right. and and we're in the Bozeman area. If you were to rent an office space here, I mean you're looking at a minimum with, unless you've got some kind of cool situation, you know, with a friend or something, probably two grand for one large room, (laughs) you know, man, per month. Uh, hard to justify that given the work that, you know, that we do. So I work from home, Calvin, our, our member coordinator, she works from home. Uh, many nonprofits in the area do. So that part's somewhat normal. Uh, having the kids home, that was my summer, all last summer, yeah. uh, was having them home while running 2%. Um, I used to be an outdoor educator, so I leaned into that history <laughs> uh, to, to, to try to be proactive with, with the time. We're doing the whole color-coordinated chart thing that will probably drop within the next 48 hours uh, you know, for scheduling what the kids are doing. Um, we raided the local libraries. before They all closed today. They're officially shut down today. Oh, so we'll see what our over, uh, uh, over, well, it's not an overdraft fee. It's, it's a late fees will be, uh, <laughs> if they don't, help out, you know, right. Um, but rated all of those, um, we've got piles of Ranger Rick content from national wildlife federation that they've made free online on their website and stuff to keep them busy. But I am, expecting within the next 72 hours the most social of our children to pull a Hutu uprising. Yeah. Um, a full coup on, yeah. on her parents.
0: Yeah. So I wonder, <laughs> you know, like they're, everybody jokes about it, right? I'm just going to be real for a second. Um, you always joke about, hey, man, I'm just going to – I would love to, like, lock my kids in a closet for a day or two. Oh. right? You, you joke about it, but <laughs> –
1: that's not such a bad thing, you
0: know. <laughs> you just gotta, it's quarantine, right? I mean, I'm, I'm literally yeah. quarantining them, but I'm also doing it in a way that benefits me.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, well, you're saving the rest of the family from the pandemic of, of cabin fever. That's right. So right, and so well, that stuff spreads cowbell only makes it worse. That's so. right.
0: That's crazy. All right. So um, this, this whole corona thing. You know, obviously it is it's on the news. It's all we hear about. But from a conservation stand standpoint, it's it's having a major effect on income generated to a variety of of different um, organizations you know like uh, and I'm just going to say what I'm familiar with right we have cancellations for Whitetails Unlimited we have cancellations for Pheasants Forever we have cancellations for a variety of different uh, conservation minded organization and Mm -hmm. that is going to affect their bottom line on the year why don't you just elaborate a little bit more about all that
1: yeah and it this For those listening, you know, this is getting into some of the not-so-sexy details of of the North American model of conservation and how we have it so damn good compared to the rest of the world. So, you know, there's a lot of things that the average hunter never has to think about because there are people who stay up at night and bite their nails and Claw and beg and, by hook or by crook, get stuff done for wildlife. Yeah. Most hunters never have to think about how that actually happens. They they see one marketing campaign and go, I'm a hunter. I've done just as much as anyone else, right. if not more. Right. And that's th- th- there's there's mechanisms within mechanisms. So I won't dive into the deep minutiae, but I'm going to give you the 30,000-foot the view of this situation. Okay. A huge, huge chunk of all funding that goes into wildlife work comes from nonprofits putting on events to raise those dollars. Okay, so that's big thing number one. A huge, huge chunk. Uh, we often like to look at the the you know Pittman Robertson, Dingle Johnson. Uh, tax programs of 11% excise tax on on hunting licenses, fishing licenses, and what we call hard gear, uh, or you know, firearms, archery equipment, ammo, fishing tackle. Right. We, you know, that's the thing that we always hold up when we're going toe to toe with the anti-hunting crowd, um, and unfortunately, hold up when we're talking to the general public and it confuses the hell out of them. Um, this piece is not just a supplement. Of to that but also a mechanism to get those dollars into your state so I'm gonna say that again that these events they help get those big dollars from the Fed into your state as well as supplementing those dollars to make projects actually possible the kind of projects I'm talking about are when there's blood tests being done if you have a disease outbreak like CWD oh that's not so much a blood test but you know lymph node tests and whatnot yeah. Um, or it, here in the West, we've got brucellosis, we've got a within uh bighorn sheep, you know, things that, that people in all parts of the country would love to go and hunt. Um, these, these diseases affect, um, when we have to do, uh, surveys during the spring in the Midwest, that often looks like a fawn survey where you go oh, out into a, and do a national forest, uh, or if you own your own larger parcels of land, you're probably doing this yourself. If you're practicing good deer management, you're, you're doing fawn counts, seeing what your population's at. Um, on the national forest or state or county, that's often done by contractors or volunteers from these orgs. Um, there's, there's doing aerial surveys with helicopters and planes. Uh, that are done throughout the West to check uh, elk populations, buffalo populations, moose, caribou, bighorn, goat. Um, It it, it goes beyond that into banding programs for banding waterfowl. Um, Those banding programs are often like split 50-50 between government and and conservation org chapters. Uh, Same goes for turkeys. Same goes for grouse. You have all these programs that involve someone getting paid in some way because they're providing a service to help get it done. So with the surveys, you got to pay pilots. You know when you're doing it, you know from the air, they have to get paid by somebody. Right. Uh, the tests, those get sent to a lab. The lab gets paid. Um, when you're doing uh, grid grid counting and stuff like that, and sending out field biologists to go and figure out what the hell's happening to our grouse populations, um, you know those those folks got to eat too, so they, they get paid, and it and it depends on what state you're in, how much, but like in Wyoming, uh, it could be five to eight thousand dollars to have a biologist out there for the day. To, to cover their insurance and, and all, the, all the liabilities that the state and the Fed are worried about and the county and wherever else it's being done, not to mention all the tests and stuff that have to be done beyond that. This stuff costs real money. And where that money comes from, obviously the tax programs, that's the biggest, biggest bit. But the mechanism of the events is huge. States depend, and I mean individual states, um, so in your case Iowa, in my case Montana, depend on privately raised dollars at these events to match dollars that they get from the Fed so that they can keep these wildlife management programs going. In some cases, they depend on donations from these groups for game wardens. They may depend on donations from these groups to run hunter education programs. Uh, very unsexy things like website updates so you can actually buy your tags. <laughs> um, they, they depend on a lot of things because they may not have the budget to do it, and there's a lot of things fighting for wildlife dollars. Yeah. In the state of Wyoming, they literally have one wildlife lobbyist, and she's one of our board members. So these these small groups putting on these events that raise $30,000, $50,000, uh, our local RMEF banquet was up over $200,000 uh, this last year. That all goes to wildlife work that isn't just being done by the conservation groups. And what it means in the real world is that when there's a disease outbreak, there's actually money to put towards it. And we've seen you know, the absolute shortcomings um, on the CWD front as far as depending on the states, right? right. Uh, you have to explain basic science to them. Um, which, as, as a good friend of ours, Randy Newberg, likes to say, the easiest way to become a wildlife biologist or make decisions about wildlife biology is to run for office. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wildlife conservation is to run for office. Uh, they don't know jack about it, most of them. Right. So these orgs help make that happen, and they only have a voice in it because they bring these dollars to the table. So our hunting seasons being what they are, our opportunities being what they are, Are largely because of these events now I have my own professional and personal issues with being dependent on a banquet a model that is frankly built for boomers and older gen Xers um, who enjoy that kind of thing Um, moving forward I have I have issues with it but right now it's the tool we're using right and it's the tool we're depending on we can talk about what kind of tool we have in the tool chest later Uh, when we have it but right now this is the one that we're using and what's happening right now is frankly a a wildlife conservation bloodbath on the on the funding front with all these cancellations okay so these groups the majority of them put on their events between the months of February and May and by the majority I mean well over 80% of all of these private real Privately raised dollars for wildlife conservation happened between February and May.
0: All right. So I'm going to interrupt real quick. Name a couple of these organizations so we get an idea of the magnitude of this.
1: Almost all Ducks Unlimited banquets, February to May. Almost all Rough Grouse Society banquets, February to May. Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, February to May. QDMA, February to May. I, I, I mean, you name an org. If you're involved in an org, their main fundraising is right now. Right. More than any other time of year when it comes to, to wildlife. And, and it's not just conservation. Like, let's, let's be honest, it's also your food banks, it's your women's shelters. A lot of good conservation, or not conservation, <laughs> charitable work it gets its fundraising done this time of year. And it, it has to do with tax season, it also has to do with, hey, people got time. You know, uh, it's the end of winter. Folks are looking to get out, hang out together. It's, it's the, it's the best time to do it. Um, so this landed at an absolute worst time. Um, as far as closures now, 2% stance is very publicly (laughs) cancel or postpone your events right now. (laughs) You know, uh, it is, it would be one of the, and and before folks are like, Oh, you're just following no, we need to fight for our place in the public eye as hunters and anglers. And if we're going bullheaded and saying, no, we're going to have our event anyway. How does that look in the local community? Okay. Um, we should be following best practices and recommendations. If just, if, if you don't believe in the science behind it, if at least from a PR and, and social good standpoint, um, if you 're the one one thing in town still going on it's it 's going to look pretty damn tone deaf so publicly you know we we have that stance on the back end we know what kind of dollars are being missed out on and what that 's going to mean in future need and it 's extravagant uh, right now we have our committee program uh, so within two percent we have uh, the only volunteers with titles that we have beyond our board which you are a member of which thank you for that um, is our committee program and our committee program uh, exists for a couple reasons but one of the main ones is to appoint people on the ground who are already leading in conservation that we can tap new individuals family foundations and businesses into getting funding and volunteers into real-world opportunities on a grand scale so these folks are volunteer chapter leaders with all those orgs I mentioned earlier Including several more, they're with public land groups, hunter education groups. they are in leadership in a volunteer or employed capacity in some way so that we can help get dollars and people uh, to needs as efficiently as possible and we've had them working uh, for the last week um, and and there's still I got two more emails this morning with spreadsheets of events in their area that have been canceled and dan it's a lot <laughs> it's we've only had five report in and we're looking at uh, it, it's like we're shutting off one of the biggest funding mechanisms entirely for the year
0: and that goes across all species all species all everything so so nature it, as a whole is is getting struck by this
1: uh yeah yeah, and and again, let's go. Uh, folks are going, okay, so these orgs aren't getting money. Big whoop. No, 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 no. These orgs aren't getting money, and it's the money that they use to one, yes, run and and give people paychecks. But two, the big chunk of where these dollars go, and the reason why there's often uh, tags up for sale or auction at these events uh, from the state. Uh, the reason why there's often unique hunting or angling access opportunities that are auctioned off at these events from the state is because the states depend on these events to match the funding that they get from the tax programs to actually get the wildlife work done. The states are the ones who really want to see these banquets keep moving forward and keep pushing to keep the orgs doing these banquets because they use the dollars to get real world conservation work done that new access site that just opened up in your area odds are a big chunk of that money uh, or at least the contractor hours to get it done came from those banquets the fact that you have a bunch of extra tags in your area or licenses for sale uh, uh, came from five to ten years of work funded by these banquets so to lose that to turn that faucet off at the one time it needs to be on is going to be somewhat catastrophic, yeah. and and I say somewhat because I can elaborate on that. But I I, I I'm, I'm talking a lot.
0: So yeah, well,
1: oh so hold up, Dan. You no,
0: know, <laughs> dude, this is I mean this is something that we all need to hear. And and from experience, uh, over the years, I haven't been a banquet guy myself, but I've attended a handful of them. Um, one of my good friends in high school, her dad was like the president of the ducks unlimited uh, Mm -hmm. uh, or like, or on the board of our local chapter uh, down where I grew up and we would go there just for fun, right? Drink some beers, throw $20 at a, uh, a raffle or whatever and eat a good meal, pay for the ticket, eat a good meal and, you know, BS with other uh, sportsmen. Uh, And then the same thing with um, whitetail unlimited, Uh, you know, I've Mm -hmm. gone to a couple of those events and, you know, same thing, which, all right, I've seen some guys drop some major coin at some of these events, and and they do it for good purposes, right? They want to. It's not like they necessarily want to win the raff, the shotgun raffle, or the you know, or the the free duck hunt raffle, or whatever it is. They they know that their money is going to a good place, and that's why they're dropping x amount of dollars you know whether you know it's all relevant right you know some guys can afford to drop a thousand some guys can afford to drop 20 or or whatever Um, but all of it adds up in the long run and now thinking about how none of these are going to happen the what's coming to my head is we have to still convince these people to get that money out of their pocket and give it to the organization that they were going to support anyway, with nothing, nothing to gain except the, you know, the fact that they've donated money to the organization that they love.
1: Right, right. And there's there's a few practical things here, and and you know this is this is an uncertain time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, people are spending exorbitant amounts of money on. Uh, sing, they're not even buying double ply toilet paper single ply toilet paper right <laughs> now, you know? um, there are people buying ammo because uh, uh, reasons um, it, you know there, there's all the panic buying and stuff that's going on right now and there's there's really like you know smart things to do with your money right now as well um, as someone who grew up, uh living on 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 hunting and angling from a subsistence standpoint uh, and and to give like some some real dollars uh idea of, of what I mean by that uh first year of my life my parents made less than five thousand dollars that whole year wow. um, were they were uh in a ministry working with kids uh so we depended on wild game and and fish and, and they still did breakfasts like for the kids in the neighborhood who came from abused homes and stuff like almost every day, uh, despite that, um, hunting and angling are possibly going to be quite important. If you're going to throw your money at something, let's, let's throw it at making sure you have that opportunity. But that said, I'm not going to ask folks at this point to give their savings, um, you know, or their safety net, but there are a few practical things you can do no matter where you live. Number one, if you had a ticket to a local banquet, pint night, convention and it costs 20 35 50 bucks to go you know if you could afford to go you could afford to not ask for a refund on that yeah um these i feel like that's a no-brainer right it should be you would think um but we're finding out through our committee program many of these folks who had to cancel their events that there are folks asking for their 35 dollar meal ticket back Hmm. There are some even asking, you know, when you get your uh, your org branded pint, you know, for your bottomless drinks, they want to still get the pint (laughs) Um, and and have the org pay for shipping to get it to them. Hmm. Um, And I can put my head in that mindset. Again, I I grew up with scarcity. I I can put my head there Uh, at the same time, though, uh, these orgs right now, roughly a third of them are being able to postpone. Or uh, be able to get their down payment for from the from the rental space, you know, the space that they're using, whether it be a school or uh, a town hall or uh, a, a hotel or something like that. They're able to get those down payments back, their their reserves back, there, or they're able to defer them to a later date. Um, right now, we're only hearing that from a third of them. So these orgs are already out a couple grand. Uh, on food and beverage and the space the the food and beverage in the space when you're writing up a budget for one of these events you almost always write up your your ticket so that it covers that so you know if it costs you 3500 bucks your goal is to get a hundred people in the room at 35 bucks a head if that makes sense I know we're doing math on a podcast right now but um, you know your goal is to have your tickets your reservations cover what your cost of putting on the event was, at least as far as the venue and the food, then there's costs out there of your speakers. There are some guys in the outdoor space, and I can't believe they're doing this. And I wish they they'd work on this. We've got some outdoor celebrities charging twenty grand to show up right now.
0: That uh, excuse my language. Th- that's fucking ridiculous. And I'll tell you, these people, some bad. of these people, some of these people don't. You you flip through their Instagram pages and they don't say a word about conservation. And then to come to find out when oh, they yeah. are talking about conservation, it is it's because they're getting paid to say it.
1: There was an event last year um, oh, man. that one of one of our board members was at that uh, had pretty much every wildlife biologist working with that specific species in the room. And they still hired someone from outside for, for several grand. And the, about halfway through, the biologist started standing up and leaving. Yeah, so <laughs> so yes. anyway, that, that's a whole other issue aside. But these, these orgs, a lot of times they have pressure from their membership of, hey, if we're going to have people show up, let's, uh, let's bring a celebrity in. Let's bring a musician in. Let's bring in someone. So you got to pay. For, that's the entertainment. Um, so that's added on top. Then many of them, when they get all these hunts and um, goods, so products, you know rifles, every, I think all of us have, have, have put money in on a firearm raffle before, um, or you know whatever kind of things for prizes, they typically have to pay for some of it. Very few companies give a 100 percent what's called a 100 a, percent a donation of They just send you the goods. Now, I am proud to say that out of our 2% business membership, the ones who most often are giving out goods like Sitka, First Light, Stone Glacier, Seek Outside, to my knowledge, none of them have requested for uh, goods to be returned. Um, but I know of several businesses that are. And I, I don't want to name drop them now because you know by the time this goes up, they may have changed their policy. <laughs> but... And, and we're working hard to get them to stop doing that, uh, to stop asking to have their goods sent back. Uh, and the off chance these events can still happen. But in many cases, the orgs also have to buy. They have to pay like 50% or 40%. So there's all those prizes there. And many of them are huge multi-thousand-dollar hunts that they sunk 1000 thousand, two thousand, 2000 however much into. It adds up, you know. Um, a lot of these events... Put on by a group of nine or ten people in your local community, they are spending twenty to $50,000 just to make happen. And now they're looking at not only being out all the money they would have raised, but having to come up with that twenty to $50,000 somewhere uh, to pay people. And you can see how this would turn into, hey, this doesn't just affect this year. This affects the next five years. And all work that can be done in your area for every damn species. So, base thing that we're asking folks to do. If you had a ticket to go, don't ask for a refund. If you're the kind of person who buys your ticket at the door, consider sending them a donation for that amount. To help them cover their base costs that they're at least out. So that they're not working from being in the red at the end of the year and not scrambling to try to find dollars as whatever happens with this pandemic keeps moving. If we can at least get their vendors paid now, we save all these volunteers who are putting on these events, epic headaches because these folks are dealing with the same exact things that you and I are. Yeah. Sometimes more. Uh, Half of our committee program, almost half, sorry, not half, about 40% of our committee program are, are volunteer leaders who are also working in, they're, they're firefighters, police officers. We've got a border patrol agent. Um, he's Canadian, so he's dealing with us coming north. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nurses, uh, dentists, doc- these are These are the most at-risk people. And they're also dealing with these banquet closures, these event closures, these pint night closures. Because even if you're not doing a banquet, a lot of the orgs that do pint nights and movie nights and things like that, instead of a banquet, who have pivoted to more millennial-friendly stuff, are dealing with this too. Yeah. So the easiest thing we can all do, don't ask for a refund. And if you were going to go, send them a donation for what that, that ticket would have cost. It's very small amount for you. But if we get all the thousands of people who go to these events to at least cover that much, we can save them the epic headache of being backwards with their bank.
0: Yeah. And it it just surprises me that a company Who probably doesn't, I don't know, I guess if you, I guess if you sell your products at 50% or, and say it's for conservation, it's like, oh, well, you know, we won't donate you any goods, but we'll sell it, sell it to you at cost. So we're not necessarily out of money. Is that truly giving to conservation? Like,
1: yeah. Yeah. And we absolutely count it from a certification standpoint. Yeah. Um, I mean, think about small businesses. So we we have uh, a few uh, outdoor gear small businesses that are certified with us that literally they can't write checks yet because, you know, in your first five years, you don't make a profit, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So they are donating at cost. And if they can donate product directly, they can. Most businesses in the outdoor gear space have a set amount of product that they can give out at 100 percent, no cost. And that is typically allocated within their marketing budget. Right. They, they put it in there. Now, the requests as more and more, and this is a whole other topic, the number of wildlife needs is increasing dramatically because of human development because of ecosystem destruction, because of all you know, piles of issues that we could do a whole separate podcast on. You know, it's why 2% we pivoted almost our entire travel budget of going to events exclusively to awareness and marketing campaigns for if you know, major things like Australia happen here in North America um, you know, with the big fires and whatnot. But uh, these businesses are getting way more requests than they used to. And way more than a marketing budget can handle, but they still want to help. So for many, that's what they do once they're outside of their, you know, what they can afford as a business to donate at 100%. Yeah. Uh, Basically,
0: just don't be stingy. Just uh, pay the ticket price. Donate it. I mean, I feel like I'm a little bit more – you're the CEO, right? You have to say things in an eloquent, eloquent way. Me, I'm a little bit rough around the edges. I'm just kind of this podcast host. I know I have a role to play um, as a board member, but don't be stingy. Like, mm-hmm. don't. I feel like if you're bitching about having your um, to refund, you're you're not as big of a conservationist as you think you are.
1: Well, I, I'd I'd like to maybe put it as you put it in the in, in the flowery way. Um, last summer I went to Elk Camp, which is the Elk Foundations, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundations annual soiree. This year they moved, or last year they moved it to Park City, Utah, up in the mountains, did it with the archery, total archery challenge and stuff. Pretty neat. Uh, the coolest thing at that event is similar to every, every big conservation national annual event is when they have the volunteer appreciation meal. If you've never been to one of those, uh, bring, bring your hanky. Um, cause I don't care how tough you are they're They're going to get your tear ducks to work, uh, aggressively with some of the stories they share. But, uh, there was one of the guys who won the lifetime achievement award, which they only give out like two or three a year. And you got to be at it for decades within the org to win this thing. Um, he was, he was from my home state of Wisconsin. And I had met him when I was much younger, uh, when he was working on the elk rehabilitation, uh, there, and so he he won it, uh, but his uh, his regional coordinator uh, put this quote in with why this guy had been chosen and there are three kinds of people who give back to conservation is basically how it how it goes there's three kinds the number one um, are are the kind of people who just would because it's a it's the right thing to do. They, they can see all the moving parts. They understand their role within it. They understand that if they're, if they're taking, they should also give. And if they're going to ensure that future generations have a chance, they can't just give to compensate for their taking. They have to give to ensure that, above and beyond to make sure that the future generations have a chance. Like the taxes we pay that, in, in, in our excise taxes, that basically covers what we're doing right now. That does not fund future generations stuff. Um, so he's saying that there's, there's that type of person, the, the, the best of us who do that. No one has to ask them. They just know it's the right thing to do, but they're in the minority. The next big, the next group that is bigger than them are those that, um, see their friends doing it and see it as a good thing and want to join their friends in doing a good thing. So those who do it socially, that is the bulk of banquet goers. They, their buddies are super passionate about this. Maybe they got one out of a group of 10 friends who's super passionate about the thing and convinces them every year, you know, buys them extra drinks to ensure that they give extra, you know, and maybe they all go in on that Argentine quail hunt together. Um, That's that second group. And the third is those who just give because it's what society demands. Like social pressure. All right, everyone else is doing a raffle. I guess I'll throw 10 bucks in, you know, or, hey, I might win a prize, which makes it good for me. You know, what's in it for me? That's the third group. And so with the reef folks, um, we're starting to really see which chapters are, are, are filled It's been kind of weird. I don't know if we're going to create a map. This might be super damning if we did. And we we, we like to keep things crazy positive with 2%, which is why you'll never see our social media just blow up to a million people. Algorithms don't like positive stuff. (laughs) 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 They like contention. But it would be an interesting thing to do to plot out on a map where people were asking for refunds versus where they're not. And I can tell you right now, the places where they're not, Asking for refunds where people are just saying, keep my money and take some extra are the places that are not necessarily affluent, but they see the use of their dollars going to to real world good things, Um, including Canada. So in our membership, we have a pretty substantial British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan representation. We've we've got multiple uh, committee leaders. Um, so leaders within our org up in Canada, some of whom put on awesome events like the Jurassic Classic and whatnot up there. Crazy, awesome wildlife fundraising and collaboration events. Thing with Canada, there is no tax incentive for charitable giving. None. So like when you give at your local auction for like a Pheasants Forever or something like that, um, there's paperwork. There's paperwork. That you can then give to your accountant and count some part of it towards charitable giving, right? Beyond the the market value, if you give an above uh, uh, market value, or if you buy a life membership, you can count uh, beyond whatever kind of kickback you get, whether it's a firearm, tent, or jacket, or something like that, or the placard. The organization will send you the the, the paperwork for what you can put towards your t- charitable giving and taxes. They don't have that in Canada. If, if you give, you're not getting a kickback other than what your dollars went to improving wildlife habitat and your opportunities in the future. And man, what is crazy up there? They are looking at not necessarily coming out behind despite all the cancellations on our if as I'm building out this map and it is going to remain private until maybe we have a board call or something like that to decide if we're going to release this. Um, It's if, if the red areas are where people are demanding a lot back from the orgs and not helping them out in this hard time and the green areas are where they're getting a lot of help. Canada's pretty damn green with no tax incentive to get them to do it.
0: I've met uh, over my life. I think I've met about 10 people from Canada and every single one of them have just been these extremely nice people who, for a second, you think, man, they're just too nice. Something's wrong with them. But I just.
1: Your but, radar goes up real hard. Right. You know, like if comes up to you real nice, uh, you know, in Times Square or something like want? that, they're chiv you, yeah. you know.
0: So. Yeah. <laughs> no, these, these dudes, are, I mean, I've met about 10 of them. Uh, one of them was a uh, French Canadian and I had a kind of a hard time understanding him for uh, a little bit, but every single person I've ever met from Canada is ultra nice.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, so there's, we're also seeing in some rural parts of the West, uh, folks are just like, Hey, here's the dollars I plan to give. And they're just sending checks. Yeah. Um, we're seeing it in the Midwest too, a little bit in pockets of the East coast. In the Southeast, there's, there's pockets of populations where people I think have done a really good job communicating where the conservation dollars go. And I think that's a big part of it is the orgs have done a really good job in communicating that. Um, It is a cultural thing. And, and as with anything, the fish stinks from the head. Um, So, you know, if there's issues in an area with hunters not giving back, odds are the biggest hunting personalities in that area don't, you know. The 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 thought leaders or who the people are maybe following online in modern day, um, are the kind of people who would charge twenty grand to go and speak at a thing and and then not talk about conservation needs throughout the rest of the year. We're seeing pockets like that. So, again, with this, you know, not asking for a refund—that's the easiest thing you can do, um, and it's going to save the org a lot of money by not doing that. Whatever the, the the other step above and beyond, and this is the part that blew me away. So, um, Wild Sheep Society, of British Columbia, who we have two committee members in, um, their event was canceled last weekend, and as in four days ago, uh, which we were supposed to have a booth at and and all these kind of things up in up in uh, Kamloops, BC, which if you look on a map is it's just a little bit past the middle of nowhere in the Canadian Rockies. Um, <laughs> There were there was you know hundreds of people supposed to be at this thing So they reached out through their partners and said hey, you know If you can avoid asking for your refund that will at least help us cover things right now Um, And then we accelerated that to hey, whatever you would have spent on travel hotels drinks Your drinks after the banquet look at what you did last year when you when you went to this event Whatever amount you would have spent in just being there, consider giving that to the org to help them cover their costs. Yeah. And and their people rose up and did it. Yeah. Um, they I, it in a way that I I thought we were asking a lot. You know, <laughs> like what you would have spent while inebriated, spend that much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you have to or- get
0: inebriated to write the check. <laughs> Do yeah, it. <laughs>
1: Just make sure Amazon's not open right. while you're doing that. And right. if it is make sure you're logged into Amazon Smile, which that's is right. another week to give back right now. If you're doing a lot of online shopping, make sure Amazon Smile is turned on and you've selected your org of choice um, in that. But uh, we asked them to do that and they did it. That's the, awesome. the, yeah, yeah. Um, haven't seen it in the States yet. And that's not an indictment on the States. I, I think we have a, a very different thing culturally. Um, in that hunters have been able to hide behind our Pittman-Robertson dollars forever. Um, the fishing community hasn't really had to as much. PETA's not going after slimy things. You know, it's it's their big blind spot is fish and, and reptiles. Um, but uh, on the hunting side, we've had to defend ourselves for a long time, and we've just always hidden behind our Pittman-Robertson dollars from the sale of firearms, uh, ammunition, bow equipment, and and, and, and uh, tags, um, but it all comes home yeah. when you don't have that mechanism, like they don't, up in, they don't have Pittman-Robertson or anything like it. All conservation dollars come from the, the, the different provincial uh, ministry budgets. They use the word ministry instead of department up there for many things. Um, it comes from those, and it comes from small groups putting on stuff, yeah. Uh, up in British Columbia, it's the only place in the world with four subspecies of bighorn sheep. They've got desert uh, bighorn, rocky mountain bighorn, uh, or sorry, not desert bighorn. Oh, someone's going to light me on fire for that. California bighorn, rocky mountain bighorn, doll sheep, and stone sheep. And the bulk of funding for those four species where your highest odds of shooting a sheep in this world are come from these this event and their other event the jurassic classic that they put on which is entirely privately raised again with no tax incentive for the people giving back right Um, and that is frankly something that is going to become more of the norm as firearm and ammunition sales continue to drop off here in the u.s and number of hunting opportunities continue to drop off in the U S Yeah, you know, access to hunting and all the other things that you've, you've spoken of for years. Um, We're going to be depending on these privately raised dollars more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And it's better to be in front of it than trying to fix things from behind when it costs so much more money, when it's all gone to hell.
0: Right. You know, that's one thing I really, want to commend i guess i'll call it the sheep hunting community is you know obviously these guys may be hunting an animal maybe this is a once in a lifetime animal right maybe they'll get a couple depending on the amount of money you know some guys will put their their life they'll save money and they'll put their life into one tag and one opportunity and it's it's crazy
1: hunters that get a second sheep
0: right what'd you say
1: less than one percent of sheep hunters that get a second sheep
0: okay which blows my mind right and the amount of commitment that these people have before and after they've had that opportunity right so people are continuing to support this animal knowing that they will never again get an opportunity to hunt it blows my mind. And I wish everything could be like that. Right.
1: I'll, I'll give maybe a closer to home example than a sheep. Cause okay. for a lot of folks, you know, sheep, many folks don't realize you can hunt sheep in Nebraska. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can, uh, odds are you never will, Yeah. you know, one in, in, uh, what is it? No, three, three in, uh, Three U.S. citizens get to every year or something. I think this is the most recent number. Someone from Nebraska is going to, again, light up the comments, which is fine because that helps the algorithm. But um, with – let's look at elk in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a photo of my great-great-great-grand-aunt – Holding up the head of a raghorn bull in Boulder Junction, Wisconsin. She was a cook in the logging camp, and this was turn of the last century. And it's a photo of her holding up, and and the caption was "Cooking up a great stag for the camp," because they were they called him stag, you know, back then. Um, to my knowledge, and to the local, I called the local chambers up there. That is the last photo of a bull elk from northern Wisconsin. Up until last year uh, when they opened up elk hunting again. And the reason elk hunting was able to be opened up is because 30 plus years ago, before I was born, I'm not that old, um, 33 years uh, young, um, they started reintroducing them. And, it, and by they, it's, it's the proverbial they, and that's that's some bad distancing. People from my local community in northern Wisconsin where I grew up, people who likely shopped at the same grocery store as me, some of whom I know for sure did, uh, gave their time and their money at extremely generous levels during very financially hard times. There there was an early recession in the 80s and 90s in northern Wisconsin because of the paper industry shutting down as things moved uh, up to Canada and overseas. Uh, these are people who were losing their jobs, very similar to now. They were losing their stability of income. They had no benefits to speak of. Um, and they were in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, most of them. They gave their time and money generously to bring back a species that they knew would not get hunted for three decades at minimum. That's right. if everything went really, really well. Now, it did go very, very well. Um, and they, (laughs) three decades later, uh, five tags were opened up. Um, there are people who are now dead and gone who gave knowing they would never get to hunt an elk in Northern Wisconsin, not ever. And they gave every year, they gave their time and their dollars knowing it was something they would never, ever get to hunt. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, and it happens, man, it happens every year all over the country, whether it's a species of duck and banding projects, uh, opening up a habitat area, hoping that a pair of nesting something would, would eventually end up there, our different fisheries. There are people doing this, but I can tell you they are in the minority of the minority doing it. Yeah. So for the average person, the least we can do is help out when these orgs that help Bring these opportunities to the fold. Need help to give and stand up a little bit. It's the same thing that hunters did back in the dirty thirties when they got the Pittman Robertson Act passed through during the Dust Bowl and the Great Depression is when the Pittman Robertson Act was put into into effect, and when hunting regulations came into effect when people were truly needing wildlife to feed themselves because there was no work and they were sitting in soup and bread lines. This was passed, uh, bipartisanly in a very divided time in between two world wars. So that's been done. The hard, hardest stuff has been done. This is easy compared, but we actually do it.
0: All right. So we've talked about, you know, how, The banquets are a huge revenue driver for these organizations. We've talked a little bit about, you know, regardless of if they're happening, whether they're postponed or just straight up canceled, what we can do to make sure that the organizations that we love to support continue to get this money throughout the year, regardless if we're having a banquet or not, and how kind of how that money is distributed and how the state helps with all that. Let's talk... Last, lastly here about a call to action. What, yeah. what can we do now, whether we have these banquets or not? And, and we've touched on the financial time the, or the, the financing, you know, sending the checks, still, still spending the money. What about any additional call to actions or anything that has to do with time volunteering?
1: Yeah. So there's, a, there's actually a lot. Uh, but, I, you know, as with all things, let's pare it down to some things that folks can do. Immediately, um, number one, if you are locked up at home <laughs> if you're under quarantine, you're limited, right? Um, to your computer <laughs> and, and your phone and maybe the mail if you're lucky um, so let's let's talk about that the worst case scenario if if you're in a community that is under some kind of intense quarantine, which odds are um, if you aren't yet, you probably will be soon. Um, first things first is let's, let's get conservation in front of people's minds right now. Um, people are stuck at home. People are stuck uh, sitting on their phones. I'm actually a little blown away at the, uh, lack of content coming out right now. Uh, considering how much people are sitting on their phones right now. I've noticed on our stories uh, on Instagram, we hit the our normal threshold for views within half an hour that we normally would hit in a day. Um, so analytics-wise, you can do a lot of good just by spreading the word right now. We count that towards giving your time. So getting the word out is an easy way to give your time right now. And by getting the word out, I mean on this issue. Let folks know. Uh, people, you know, through your social circles, we can get this shared. Uh, we have right now on our Instagram, um, we have a, a hashtag going of help the events. And really, I mean, you can share a post talking about how, you know, different, the orgs that you care about in your area uh, have done good work in your area and how they're dependent on this and how moving forward it's, 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 an, it's a necessary thing. And use the hashtag help the events. That is such an easy way. Share a post of your most recent hunting experience with help the events and and raise awareness for the the groups in your area that could use some financial support. $10 here, $10 there is the future of funding from the individual standpoint as we look at millennials, you know, taking over. um, You know, that's with folks working three jobs. They can still really only afford $10 here, $30 there. Um, Get the word out with that. Uh, if you are not under quarantine and you're able to get out and about the initiative that you started uh, with Mark Kenyon on the tines and trash get out and clean up some of your local areas and encourage folks to do it using the hashtag tines and trash right see the way to give your time let's let's be honest most of us uh, I say most of us uh, while well, you and i we both work from home most people commute an hour total a day. 30 minutes in, 30 minutes out. You just gained an extra hour. Use it in some way, shape or form, Uh, whether it's going out doing tines and trash, whether it's going online and sharing uh, what the different conservation groups need right now in ways that you can help. Many of them are are actually have the cojones to ask um, and sharing that info. Be that friend who during quarantine is keeping everyone up to speed on what wildlife hunting and angling need right now. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you the worst way to spend your time is getting into fights in social media. <laughs> you ain't helping nobody. Oh, and if are all going to look like idiots. So, you know, with this, you're actually doing some good. You're not going to beat your uncle in the comments section on Facebook on any topic. Yeah. Not to mention some stranger Uh, you don't know, you know, but sharing something positive in a way for people to help that will have massive impacts while we have so many eyes available with time on their hands to do some good.
0: Yeah. And uh,
1: we'll be sharing some resources in the, in the coming weeks. Um, as we compile stuff through our committee program, a lot of it is very regional Um, but those are two things you can start doing right now. Yeah.
0: And just to elaborate on this, if you have children who are at home, show them what you're doing, let them watch you do these things and maybe do a, a little bit of an explanation behind why you're doing these things. And I think that can have a big impact, especially when there's not, you know, there's not a lot to do.
1: Well, and, and think about it this way. Um, I'm seeing a lot and hearing a lot about kids having to listen to their parents have conversations that are, frankly, in panic mode. Yeah, And you can provide a very strong example to your children of a parent taking action for good when times were not easy. Um, and there are ways you can get your kids involved with this kind of stuff. Take if, if you still have access to go out to maybe some public land, still practicing social separation and being responsible. Again, the last thing we need is for the hunting community to look like a bunch of jack wagons uh, you know, and chuckleheads in the middle of a pandemic, have everyone pointing at us for being the vectors. Um, but if you're able to get them out and get them involved in tines and trash, that will inspire other families to do the same. Exactly. Uh, all these happy, happy people to go out and do something good. The other thing they could do, this gets into you know what's personal for you, but um, you know get 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 your kids helping you write some comment cards to your local legislature or government around different habitat areas, things that you care about. Um, <laughs> you've got time. Um, odds are you've got even even with the extra you know kids on your hands, it could be an easy craft. You write a letter to your local, you know, local county commission or something like that about that habitat area you really care about um, and why you see you know, the things that are in discussion about it and why they're important or to your state or, or federal legislator and you have your kids draw a picture or something to go with it, man, that goes a long way yeah. um, in doing some real good. Yeah,
0: yeah The that other makes a lot of
1: sense. The other thing we could use some help in right now, uh, we have our annual Conservation Media Awards which uh, our our conservation media awards are are meant to elevate outdoor media, whether it be film, photo, article, publication, podcast, um, music, anything, anything that's, that would be considered media um, to, we we have this award that's sponsored by sick gear. It's, it's intended to elevate uh, media that focuses on wildlife conservation uh, media that has Conversations like this one, you know, like you and Mark have um, that are rare uh, in the space. And if anyone is discovering anything during this time of ingesting a ton of media, is that eh, there's a real shortage (laughs) of good, good conservation media out there. There are very few producers of the good stuff. And we're all sitting at home trying to you know, read books and watch shows, and odds are you've already burned through your Netflix watch list, and now you're trying to find some good stuff. Well, our award is meant to elevate the good stuff. So if you're watching any of it, please nominate it. We have an easy link on our website. It says 2020 Media Award in the menu. Uh, nominate it. We want to have it in front of more people to ensure that there is more good conservation media out there for Really putting in the public eye, you know, what us hunters and anglers do um, and also what we should be doing as a community at large so that it's not a few of us carrying the bulk of the weight so that it's, it's something that we're all partaking in as U.S. citizens or wherever we may live.
0: Jared Frazier speaking truth today. Lots of it. Uh, really appreciate you taking uh, time out of your day to hop on and, and spread the good word, man. Um, any last words before we close her down?
1: You know, um, I, I just reiterate what I said earlier. The the biggest tools that we have for wildlife conservation were created during the hardest of times that this country has ever faced. Our our two acts, the Pittman Robertson, the Dingle Johnson, they came at the hardest economic times in our nation's history, harder than what we're dealing with right now, uh, so far. (laughs) So these, these little things, it's the little things, and letting others know the little ways that you're giving back your time and dollars, letting people know so that they're inspired to do the same, remembering that there are three types of people who give back, those who always would without anyone asking them to, and then those that basically follow them. And it's best to be in that front group the ones who do it because no one asked him to, uh, who do it in their own way and about the things that they care about, if you can do that, you can have epic, positive, longstanding work and change done for wildlife and the future of hunting and angling in your community. But you got to
0: do it. Jared, once again, thanks for your time, man, and uh, definitely going to have you on again. Looking forward to it. Like I said in the intro, this has an absolutely huge impact on us all, right? We're not being able to go out and live like we used to, right? This has changed everything, and it also is about to change conservation as we know it if we don't continue to support the conservation effort. So if you can, I would say continue to support your conservation organizations at a local and national level if you had planned on going to a um, a banquet and spending a hundred dollars go spend a hundred dollars if you had planned to spend 50 on some raffle tickets go spend 50 on raffle tickets if you bought a ticket and it got canceled please do not ask for a refund just let it ride whatever you usually spend at one of these banquets I suggest writing a check if you can afford it back to the organization that um you support and the 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 message that they spread right whether it's whitetails unlimited pheasants forever rocky mountain elk foundation there's a thousand of them out there if you're missing a banquet please go support it and continue to give even though that there's not a banquet so you guys call to action let's take care of this let's maybe rally together and uh Write some checks straight up. You know, I know some of us may be uh, financially impacted by this. I know I am. I know that uh, there are people still working. I know that there's people who are on straight lockdown and they, they're they getting ready to collect unemployment. But if you have the means, please continue to support um our constant our conservation efforts depend on it so that's all I'm going to say other than that hopefully everybody has a great rest of their weeks try to stay positive out there call somebody bullshit with someone that you haven't you, you know you haven't talked with in a while and I think one thing that is it's kind of uh I don't know like just continuing to to reach out to people you have some extra time do something, do something helpful or do something that you've never done before or try something new or read a book about conservation shit I don't read or listen to a podcast about conservation but uh, there's plenty of things to do if you can't go out um, spend some time with your family if you're locked in with your family you know get to know them better there's so many things to do Uh, this is almost like an opportunity to get to know ourselves and our family a little bit better I know that's uh, the case for me huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast vortex optics the average conservationist prime archery ozonics wasp lone wolf please go out and support the companies that support this podcast because when you do you support this podcast and the the sportsman's nation as a whole so thank you for that be sure to follow me on instagram and facebook and uh man it is 2020 let's focus on giving back